Hi, my name is Winston Ellis, and you're listening to Room 26 Podcast with Frey Nwaka. Hey guys, so welcome to Room 26 Podcast with me, Freddy Nwaka. Just a, you know, casual, laid-back, unadulterated conversation with friends, celebrity guests, and you, of course. Hold on. You are listening, right? All right, good. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Room 26 podcast with Freddie Nwaka. Freddie, are you there? I'm here, my brother. You know how we do this thing, man. I've got my big mug of tea. You know them big white Sports Direct cups with the, the exercise tea? <laughs> I'm cover sheet and I'm ready to go, man. How are you? I am good, brother. Busy. Things are getting back to normal, so and I know you're real busy as well. So, who have you managed to get on the phone today? You know what? It's crazy because this guy, man, like this guy, I got mad love for this guy, you know. And it's a weird one because the way that we we connected and the way that we kind of came together is mad. I got my brother, and I say brother, you know, I mean brother, and I really mean brother. I got my brother Winston Ellis on the phone, man. Winston, how you doing, my brother? <laughs> You're going to make me hear cry enough, really, man, with that kind of introduction, you know, man, seriously. <laughs> and I got my mug of ginger tea as well, bro. <laughs> so we're both on the tea today. We're both doing the, the, the tea journey. Listen, man, every day, bro, I got, I'm, I'm getting a healthy tip now. This lockdown has taught me that I've got to look after the old body, you know, 55 and still running. Bro, you don't, you, listen, you do not look 55, you know, like, <laughs> I, I, know guys, I know guys that are half your age and are not in as good a shape as you, man. Oh, God bless you, man. Thanks for saying that. You know what? The funny thing is, I feel like I'm in the best shape of my life right now because I've been through lockdown. I was training, 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 and I've been pushing it. And now I'm at my old peak fighting weight and I used to fight. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. How, how, did, how, did, how did you find lockdown in a way as a whole? It was, this thing really sort of, it changed my life. I have to say it changed my life, really did. Because literally two days before lockdown, we had done a deal with a big project that I'm doing with the US, with a big project I'm uh, producing. And I thought to myself, you know what, that's it now. I can afford to sit back and do what I want to do because it's going to be quids in, it's all going to be all that. And I thought, settled now, my life is sorted now, you know what I mean? Future done, grandchildren looked after. And then my daughter was saying to me, Dad, you know, they locked down Italy and all this kind of business. I was like, that'll never happen in the UK, man. They'll never lock down the country, you mad? <laughs> and, then <when> they... <laughs> and then when they locked down the UK, man, it was like everything got put on hold. And I never thought to myself, the whole industry, the whole world got put on hold. So all the deals that were putting in place just sort of froze. And I thought, someone, someone's definitely got it in for me, man, because I come this close. <laughs> just you, yeah? Just you, no, not the whole wide world. Someone I was selfish. Just, got it in, selfish just for Winston. <laughs> just for Winston. That's why I was selfish. Pure selfish, mate. Pure selfish. I was like, what? And then the thing is, but the thing is, what I learned about myself, though, you know, is the fact that it made me sort of take a, a rain check on life in a way. I sort of step, take a step back. I, I've been living in this new place here now for about a year. I didn't even realize I had a lake 200 meters from my house because it's been busy, busy, wow. busy, always on the move, always running, running, running. And then that period of time we we're in lockdown, I started to reevaluate things. I started to, like they say, smell the roses, take some time to smell the roses and think about what's really important in your life, you know? And it made me refocus, mm. re get everything in order. And um, I've, I feel like I've come out of it the other side a much better man, to be honest with you. I feel like I've learned so much about myself because that first month was tough because I had no one. I didn't see I anyone. 
except for a like this. I didn't see anybody. I didn't go. There was nobody out in the streets. I was out there banging on windows. If I saw a car or even saw a human being, you know, I'd a stranger on I was standing there banging on windows. Hey, hey, say hello to me. <laughs> That's crazy, man. So, yeah, so listen, man. people watch, or should I say, listening to this podcast, um, the name Winston Ellis. You know what? I ain't going to lie. You got one of those names that just sounds famous. Like, even if I didn't know who you was, and someone said Winston Ellis, you just sound like you sound like a star. That name Winston Ellis <laughs> sounds like a star anyway, yeah. So for those people that are listening, heard the name and are thinking like, I heard the name before, but I can't. I'm not really too sure. Let's talk a bit about what you've done, man. Like, yeah. not even we're talking about the martial arts because that's that's fucking amazing. But we'll talk about the movies first of all. Like, so obviously we know that you was obviously in Pirates Pirates of the Caribbean. That was a yeah. big one. Yeah, um, Pirates of the Caribbean. Also, the past, two of those, yeah. Yeah, two parts of the Caribbean yeah. um, cast, The Dark Knight with um, Heath Ledger. Like, That's right. I'll tell you something, right? That, yeah. was, that, was, that was an experience and a half, brother. I'm not kidding you, because I was actually filming in the Bahamas. I was doing Pirates of the Caribbean. And I was out there for 18 months, and we were filming the two films back-to-back, -back, number two and number three. And halfway through filming, I got a phone call offering me to do a Bond movie, when they were filming at the first Daniel Craig mm. Bond movie that they were doing out there at the time. And um, Jerry Bruckheimer, who's the, diet, who's the producer of the Pirates, uh, he was like, no, nah, he wasn't gonna let me out of my contract to go and do this movie. Because even though it was two weeks on the same island, he wasn't gonna let me do it. And it so happened they had a massive hurricane that came to the Bahamas at the same time. And then we, got, we all got evacuated for two weeks from the country. And when I came back, landed in the UK, got a phone call from my agent saying, Chris Nolan wants you to come on Batman, because they want you to come and do this guest appearance on Batman. The Dark Knight, I was like, you're mad. You're like, no, 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 they're filming. You're filming tomorrow with Heath Ledger. So basically, went on set, met this guy. So I remember the first time I saw Heath, he was um, all dressed up as the Joker. And he was, you know, that, that thing where you were kids, where you put coins on your elbow, you just catch the coins like this, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. kind of business yeah. there. And he had this, like, he had about four or five coins there, he was catching it and doing these little things. And I thought to myself, man, that's nothing. So I, I piled up all these coins on mine and just flipped them and catched them. And from that moment, we just connected. Do you know what I mean? And we just started chatting and chatting, chatting, showing each other little magic tricks or whatever. Oh, a oh, wonderful human being. You know what I mean? We worked together for like two or three days. And um, he agreed. I realized that he was going to be in New York in a few weeks later. And I was going to be in New York as well. And so I said to him, maybe we should hook up in New York. You know what I mean? While I'm there. So it's like, we got on so well. It was like my son. Because he's about two years older than my boy. Mm. And the irony of it is, is that I was about to get a plane to New York, and literally, I swear to God, Freddie, I was just about to get on the plane, going through customs, going through customs, going through, literally getting to board the plane, and my phone went. And I picked up the phone, and it was an Australian radio DJ, and he was like, um, Winston Ellis, um, I would just like to interview you to find out how you feel about the death of uh, Heath Ledger. And I'm like, wow. what? what are you on about? And I'm like, listen, I just left that man. And they're like, they told me that. And that's how I found out. It was heartbreaking because, and like I said to you, it was like it was like talking to my son. This guy was such a genuine and lovely human being. I'm not kidding you. And I think that his star was really on the rise. And being you on see, that project was a massive thing. And you see, and that's why it's really weird, man. When you look at people, they present a certain way on the outside, and they could mm. have everything, but deep down, you never know where the mind's at or where the heart's at, man. And that's, that's it. I think him. Um, what was the other guy? Uh, the um, Mr. Mr. Mrs. Doubtfire. What was it? Um, Robin. Robin. Oh, Robin Williams. Yeah, yeah. Robin Williams. All these yeah. people. They. 
on the surface, they seem to have everything. Great career, lots of money, but you just yep. never know. Like my dad says, only the person wearing the shoe knows where it pinches. Do you know what that's I'm saying? It. Exactly, man. That's, that's a very good saying, you know. That's a very, very good saying because it's true. Because you never know. You look at some people and you think, especially like with all this social media now, man. I, tell you, I was talking to my son the other day about it saying, you know, people don't put negative stuff on. They always try to promote themselves as being this and that and yeah. all this big stuff and, and whatever. And when you actually meet the person or you see these things in real life, it's a whole different ballgame. It's a whole yeah. So never judge a book by its cover, you know what I mean? And, and that's one of the things I've learned over the years. And with Heath, like I said, meeting the guy, he was just a sweet human being. He was so funny, lovely, down to earth. And then to hear that he died of an overdose in that way, I just did not believe it was suicide. And I don't believe it. I know, I know it was an accident. I believe it was an accident of death because that was a man that loved his daughter and was passionate about getting to see his daughter again. Because that's one of the things we spoke about so much, you know? Mm. So I think it was just one of those things. It was just life's unfortunate mis things that happened, you know what I mean? Pirates to the Caribbean. Yeah. I know you was on that for a while. It's funny, I remember before, and I, I used to talk about you and say like, yeah, me and Winston are working together, right? And, and they're like, Winston Ellis, I'm like, yeah, Pirates of the Caribbean. And, and loads of people would go on Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> looking to see your face. They're yeah. trying to find yeah. your face. I'm like, funny. I swear, I just watched it, man, but I can't see Winston in it. I'm like, he's in it, he's in it. And then I'm like, hold on a second, let me watch it. Then I watched it and I'm like, I can't see Winston in it either. And it wasn't until we started talking about it properly that I realised yeah. that you you play one of the characters who's got the face on. <laughs> I play one of the monsters, Polifico, yeah. And you don't actually get to see my face until the third film. And it's like, we're yeah. changing from being the monsters into human beings. And then you get a glimpse of my face for about 30 seconds on the screen. Do you know what I mean? But like, yeah. I remember when I first got the part, I was actually in South Africa filming. And my agent called me and said, listen, they want you to do Pirates of the Caribbean. And at the time, I didn't know nothing about Pirates of the Caribbean because I hadn't watched the first one. And I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm like, because the thing is, I know for a fact, as a black man, I'm going to either be a slave or get killed in the first scene. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> I'm like, and I'm like, no, I'm not doing it. So I, didn't, I, I basically was turning it down. Flew back to the UK because I was doing a crunching up cornflakes commercial out there in, in um, South Africa. And I flew back to the UK. And when I landed, I remember my daughter had rented the DVD of the first film. And I remember watching Johnny walk off that sinking ship and I thought, you know what? This is going to be a massive franchise, you know? This is going to be huge. I can feel it. I felt it was going to be big. And so I phoned up my agent. I said, listen, I want to get back on that film. Is there a chance to cast for it? And she was like, too late. And the thing is, it was like, maybe God was looking out for me anyway, because I felt like I could not even speak because I had caught a really bad cold coming from the hot to the cold. And I could hardly speak. About two days later, she called me up. She said to me, they want to meet you in Soho via satellite. They want to do a, a satellite casting. And uh, Jerry Bruckheimer and all the producers, Johnny and all those guys, when I saw this thing, I was like, you're crazy. And they're like, no. So I was like, I can't even talk though. And she goes, you've got to come down. So I got myself wrapped up, got on the train, got all the way to Soho now, went into the office and had a big screen TV in there. And all the guys are sat for the screen. And they were like, we want you to say this one line, it's the captain goes down with his ship. And I was like, the captain goes down with his ship. And they were like, fantastic, give this man a three-picture deal. And that's what I got. That was my casting. That's how I got a part You know what I mean? It was just that's mad. amazing. So I did two films back-to-back, -back, and I'm still on option to do a third. Even after all these years, I'm still on option to do a third. So, yeah. Wow, that's amazing, man. That's amazing. Yeah. And you know what? I mean, like, we could carry on talking about your acting. You know what? Actually, before we move off your acting, because we're going to get back onto your acting a bit later, right? right? A lot of people also don't know that you are 
you are officially um, Idris Elba's body double. Like, <laughs> like, like listen, listen, I'm not gonna lie, right? You two, you two, you two do look, you two do look alike, you know, and you could pass for brothers. I've been saying it for a long time, right? Someone yeah. needs to make a movie, right? About you, Idris, as long lost brothers that have gone separate ways, because, Every time people watch my trailers, because we obviously we done the film, um, we done two films together. We done, we done the diary, and yes. we also done um, um, Are We Dead Yet? What is now called right. Living Dead. And yeah. as soon as people see the trailer, they're like, "Is that Idris?" And I'm like, "No, <laughs> it's not Idris. That's Winston <laughs> Ellis." And they're like, "Oh, do you know what I'm saying?" And it's like you guys do look quite similar. It's kind of strange actually, because the thing is, we don't see it. Me and Idris don't see it at all. Mm. We got the same mannerisms. I think that's what a lot of people think. We got the same sort of mannerisms. I mean, that's a very similar build, but we don't see the, the likeness mm. in, that, in that area. But, you know, it's been spoken about many times. You know, you know, if people said we should do a movie together, even Idris has said, you know what I mean? You know, we could play brothers together in a movie, we could do something like that. And so there was, a, I remember there's an American producer that was like, come on what it was, but when we posted the first picture, there's a picture of me and Idris sat on a sofa together. And um, it was the first time we'd ever worked together. And it went viral when I posted it, it went absolutely viral. The physics picture went mad. An American producer was offering, I can't remember, a ridiculous figure to Idris for us to do the film together. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So wow. it's, it's, it's actually been, it's, it's been talk of it, but whether it'll happen or not, we don't know. But being his double is, is <laughs> it's kind of strange because you gotta remember, I'm 10 years older than him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm 10 years older than him. And, I remember, and they're saying to me, Winston, you gotta take off your shirt, you gotta do it. Because the last thing we did was, um, I had to, we did a Sky commercial. And um, they basically said to me, when they called me up, because I've worked with him now about seven or eight times, and they said to me, Winston, we want you to uh, go for a manicure and a pedicure. And I was like, what are you on about? It was like, yeah, because you're going to be doubling into it. And I was like, what? I said, yeah, we've got to get a manicure and pedicure. And I was like, because they, they don't ever tell me what I'm doing beforehand. And so anyway, I got, they sent me to this really expensive place, man, in Ascot. Got me a manicure and pedicure. Turned up on the set today, and I had a bath in the middle of the set. Big bath. And they said, right, the scene is, is that you're in the bath, you're watching TV on your phone, and then basically you're going to get out of the bath, and we're going to show you sort of naked, just a towel around your waist, going across the room. I'm like, what? <laughs> and, they say, <laughs> and they say, yeah, we're going to film you, because Idris got sort of tattoos on his hands and stuff. So they wanted to show my hands, and then they said, we want to show your feet. I said, so what's wrong with his feet? And then I went to Idris's feet. <laughs> I learned to eat his feet, man, and it's like, okay, he used to play football barefoot when he was young, man, so I understand. Like, <laughs> oh, he's got hammer toe. <laughs> don't uh, kill me, that Idris, man. I, I, I love his brother still, but still, you know, man, to tell the truth. <laughs> Bro, listen, listen, listen. I no doubt if he's got hammer, listen, if, if Idris has got hammer toe, many people yeah. have seen his hammer toe before, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So, like, like he, he must know that hammer like, Listen, my toes. My toes ain't great either, man. My toes look like I've been doing martial arts, and I haven't. So, like, ain't, ain't, ain't no woman gonna suck my toes. So, like, you know what I mean? Idris, Idris, you're not alone, Idris, man. You're not the only guy with fucked up feet, bro. Trust me. Don't feel, so, don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. Um, <laughs> this is a mad thing. Three times world martial art champion. Fuck it, brother. You know what? It's funny, right? People always say to me, because obviously coming up doing what I do, the whole being on the road and all the rest of it, right? right. It's mad. And people say to me, like, you know what, Freddie, if you was ever in trouble, like, like, who would you call kind of thing? Because I'm all right. I can kind of look after myself when I, you yeah, know what man, I mean? Man, and when know, I think about know. the people... <laughs> but when I think about, when I think about the brothers that I've got around me, that I've got love for me, like, 
it would be mad. Like, like if I was to call you, um, also my other guy, my other guy, we interviewed him a few weeks ago, um, um, Charles, you know what I mean? Lee right. Charles, right? Yeah. He's another three, four times martial art kickboxer. I've got some serious brothers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah like, of course, man. <laughs> you got some backup, mate. You got backup. <laughs> It's crazy. So your three times world martial arts. What what kind of martial art was you was yours? Well, that was um back in the day. It would have been nowadays. It's considered a, a cage fighting. That's what they do. Basically, it's cage fighting nowadays. But back in the day, it was freestyle martial arts, and it was all stars come because um the first the first championship I won, I was eighteen, and I won the U.S. Open in um Fort Lauderdale. That was wow. the first ever tournament I entered. And I remember when I first walked onto the arena platform, and you're seeing. Chuck Norris and Billy Blanks. Billy Blanks was retiring at the time from the ring. When I first, when I first stepped into the ring, he was his, had his last fight in the ring. Do you know what I mean? Wow. And you met all these guys, you know, Superfoot Bill Wallace and, as I said, Chuck Norris and all these guys. You know what I mean? It was my first time fighting. I just turned 18. I actually turned 18 on my birthday in Fort Lauderdale. And I remember when I won that US Open, man. The Americans, they, they're big on everything. And when I got the trophy, I swear to God, Freddie, the trophy was taller than me. You know what I mean? it, was like big, it was like a big wedding cake, four poster kind of thing. You know what I mean? It was one of them in tears and it was taller than me. And I couldn't get it back to the UK. I couldn't bring it on an airplane. So I had to, wow. my father was living in New York at the time. So to this day, it's in my dad's house in New York. I shipped up to New York. And that's what made me sort of think to myself, I didn't just want to be a martial artist. I didn't just, I didn't just want to put on different colored belts. I always wanted to test myself. Because as far as I was mm. concerned, if you're going to claim to be a black belt, you're going to claim to be proficient in anything you're going to be doing, you've got to be able to turn and do it. You've got to be able to walk the walk. So mm. from that moment on, I started getting involved in the Thai boxing. And uh, when I came back to the UK, I started training with some guys like Ronnie Green, Master Skin, Master Toddy, these kind of guys. I was training doing the Thai boxing and so on and so on. And then that's when I started traveling around Germany, Holland, um, Japan, Hong Kong, and, and competing in full contact winning different championships you know what I mean so that was it for me I, that's where I found it because that's when you sort of really measure yourself against another opponent because mm. it was a case of whatever I've studied over the years nobody can help you once you get in that ring you're on your own and you've got to turn around and see exactly. whether you can deliver yeah, that's it you know what I mean and, and it's a different kind of mentality people often ask me they say Winston if you had a choice between the acting and getting back in the ring and I said to them listen I get back in the ring tomorrow morning if, you could, if I could turn the clock back 30 years, I'd get back in the ring tomorrow morning because it was a real test. I felt to myself, it was a real test of your skills, of the skills that you had learned and developed. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, but there's no money in it back then, though. You see, that's the thing, you see. Back when I was doing it, there was no money in it. The most I had one was like seven and a half thousand pounds, I think. And now these guys are on six-figure salaries, you know what I mean? Wow, that's crazy. Mad. And you know, you know, um, you know, recently, it was actually a couple of years ago, I think when Idris went back in the ring, did you? That's did, right, yeah, did, I was would you train him? Did you train him a little yeah, bit? Yeah, well, I, I only did a little bit of training with him because we trained on set because we were working together at the time. And so we did a little bit of pad work, did some pad work with him and some, gave him some um, tips on for how to throw his kicks because Idris has got, surprisingly, he's got some really good hands on him. Yeah, he's good for, for you know, like, like, like Mike Tyson said, everybody looks good in the gym until you get in the ring and then somebody hits you and then it all changes, you know what I mean? Yeah. And Idris, I was, I was upset with him, to be honest with you, because I said to him, why do you need to do this? What have you got to prove? Mm. Credit to him that he did it. Mm. But I thought, why have you got to do this? You're just now peaking your career as an actor and a movie star, and then you want to get in the ring against a professional guy, a professional fighter, who's been doing it all of his life. 
and, and you're going to try and take this on. I thought it was too big a challenge for him. Do you know what I mean? But give him, give him credit. The man's got heart. He had heart. He has, he has that warrior mentality, man. Like, oh, and, yeah. and I guess I guess if you've got that mentality, win or lose, battle is better than it. Like, when you're yeah. caught a certain way and, you're, and your mindset's a certain way, no matter who tells you not to do it, if, you're, if you've got that warrior mentality and spirit, you're going to do it, win or lose. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's, that's one of the things that I admire about Idris so much is because of the fact that um, and I, he is, when he sets his mind to something, you know, he, he just doesn't, he doesn't allow anybody to deter him. Whatever the cost may be to him, he'll do it. He'll go for it because he takes responsibility for his own actions. You know, a lot of people say, you know, somebody told me to do this or somebody told me that, oh, I blame that person. Idris, win or lose, he takes responsibility for his own actions. And if he sets his mind that he wants to do something, he's going to do it. And, and I admire that in him, you know what I mean? Mm. I think the man's living his life. We were talking the other day, me and one of the guys, right? And they were like, um, how, did, like how did you and Winston meet? And like, <laughs> you know the funniest thing, brother? You know what the funniest yeah. thing? It's like, it's yeah. almost like a fairy tale. Like, do you know what? It's, it's a, how we met is a movie. How we met yeah. is a movie, right? So I'm going to tell people True. briefly, right? So look, a number of years ago, I was obviously doing what I was doing film-wise, right? And I went to an award show um, and I got and I basically got picked as best, best director or best producer. So at this point yeah. in time, I knew who Winston was, but I didn't, I'd never met him before, yeah? So Winston was right. on this, and it so happened that Winston was on the stage, right? And then they called me up to get my award. So I've gone up on stage. You know what, Winston, I'll let you finish it off. I always tell people this story as well, because I was actually hosting that ceremony at that time. I was, I was handing out the awards. And I called out Freddie for best director, man. I remember Freddie coming up. And I remember I'd seen this guy around on different pictures on social media, but that was the first time we'd ever met. I mean, this guy come up on stage, man, dressed in his suit, and he took my hand and shook my hand. He goes, you mean you're going to work together, bro? You know, we're going to work together one day, man. And that's a guaranteed fact. And I was like, yeah, man, definitely one. I shook his hand. And Freddie would not let go of my hand until I agreed to work with him. <laughs> I don't forget that, man. I remember man held onto my hand. I was standing here on stage, no, not let go of my hand until I said yes. I was like, okay, we're going to do this work together. <laughs> and from the, moment I, from the moment I said yes, that was it. He let go of my hand. He was like, yes. And he took his water water off the stage. And it was like, the irony of it is like, a few years go by and bam, there you go. What was that? We were working together. It was mad. Literally, a few years, a few years after that, we hooked back up. We ended up doing um, a film, uh, um, a short film together called The Diary. Um, right. And then we went to America together. We were working on, right. a, on a project um, that we were both kind of producing and working together. And we, we went to, we went to um, LA together and spent That's some right. time in LA. And it was <laughs> mad to go from that one meeting. This is what I say to people, right? Out there, speak your shit into, into life. Your That's words right. are powerful, man. Speak your truth, innit? If you want to do something or you, you, you want to achieve something, don't just think it in your mind, speak it. Because I knew that day, when I, when, I, when I hold your hand, Winston, I knew <laughs> before you knew that we were working together. You didn't even know it, but I knew it. I knew it, you understand? Listen, so man, I, I'd say, I'll tell you something right now, man. I say this to people all the time. And that is, if Freddie says he's going to the moon, Book your ticket. He'll go to the moon. He's going to the moon because I'm telling you something, right? You are one brother that I know that when he says he's going to do something, you do it. And don't care how outrageous it might sound to some people and how crazy, you get the job done. And I don't know how you manage to do that, man. I tell you, and I admire you for that tenacity and that sort of drive that you have. And I'm not Thank saying you, that just in front of your face, man. I say it to people all the time. There's times where, and I'll, I'll admit to people, there's times where people are ringing me and I look at my phone and I think, oh, no, man, I can't be, can't be dealing with that person today. I don't care what scenario I'm in. 
I don't care what situation I'm in. I don't care where I am in the world. I don't care if I'm on stage or whatever. Whenever time the phone rings and I see Freddie's name on it, I pick it up. <laughs> That's <laughs> it. It's as simple as that. I pick it up. You know, if I see it, I pick it up because I know you get That's the not. job done. You get the job done, Freddie. That's one of the things. And I know, I've, I've learned now over the years, never doubt anything this man tells you because if he says he's going to do it, he gets it done. <laughs> There's no two ways about it. No, thank you, bro. Man. That means a lot, man. That means a lot, man. I, that's I, that means a lot, man. You've met loads of people, man. Who's the most inspirational person you've ever met? You know what? To, to, the funny thing about it is, I have to say, the guy that I, has really inspired me the most, and God rest his soul, he's passed away now, is a guy called Mark Straker. And mm. Mark Straker was kind of like a mentor to me. Not a famous guy, and that's the thing. Is he wasn't someone that's famous or whatever, but the thing about Mark was... He, he looked at people and saw people for who they really were. And he was out there to really help. He wanted to change the way things, things that I see happening now. This guy was talking about 20 years ago. Do you know what I mean? Okay. He wanted to make difference and wanted to make changes. He was the one that brought me into, he introduced me into going to schools and colleges and talking to young people. Because he always said to me, education, education. If we educate our next, that, that younger generation, we're building a nice platform for the future. Do you know what mm. I mean? He goes, when you stop educating, you don't sort of teach history and teach them all about history, not just about white history, but all about history, the truth, all the warts and all. And he believed in that. And, and he's one of the most inspirational people in my life because he taught me to believe in myself because I suffer with dyslexia. And I always used to turn and say, you know, well, I'm from Reading, I can't do that. You know, and I doubt myself on different things. I wouldn't want to go on stage whenever. This man used to say, listen, you know what? You are your own, you, you direct your own map. You direct your own guidelines. You put your own obstacles in front of you. Get, learn to build bridges instead of building walls. Because a lot of people will say, they'll start talking mm. yourself out of something before. And then he goes, just throw it back to your martial arts training. He goes, when you used to train your martial arts, what was the mindset you had? What was the discipline you had? And I suddenly, it suddenly switched one on in my head. It was like, you're right. Do you know what I mean? And so I adapted mm. that. And so for me, the person that's been of most inspiration in my life that has really got me on, on the path I'm on now would be, I have to say, Mark Straker. You know I mean? God rest his soul. I passed away 55, about 50 years old, sorry, about five years ago. And um, be sorely, wow. sorely missed, you know I mean? Sadly missed, sadly missed, I'm telling you. I, I remember, yeah. was that the time, I think we were talking, I think, that's yeah, right. actually, I remember when that happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah I remember, I remember. And the thing is, we were doing a project, we did a thing called Project Postcode, whereby we'd get actors, producers, and it's something that I talked to you about, because I think it's something that really made a difference in, in the communities, and we should try and do it again, because basically what it was, is he got actors, producers, directors, set designers, everybody from all across the middle, professionals from all forms of uh, film and media. And we go into schools and we do an eight week program in schools helping kids. And they teach kids how to build sets, how to do accounting with films, how to do camera work, how to do set design, how to do acting classes, writing scripts. And you develop it. And then in the last couple of weeks, these kids would make a short film themselves governed by these industry professionals. And it was all accredited learning. Amazing. It was all accredited learning so they could take it on to further education. Do you know what I mean? And um, we did it in Stevenage and it was at the crime rate in Stevenage for young people reduced by 18% in the period of time we did it. We did it in Watford, we did it in Reading, we did it up and down the country. It was successful everywhere we'd done it. And he was the, I was the face of the project, but he was the brains and the whole thing. It's like, you know, this man had a vision 
And it really helped a lot of people, even to this day. I remember when I flew out to, um, to the Pirates of the Caribbean in LA, the first time I landed in LA. And I remember I turned up on set and there was this young girl on set and I'm thinking she was working on the crew. And I'm looking at her and she's looking at me and she come over and she goes, hi, Mr. Ellis. And I was like, crikey, where do I know you from? And she was like, oh, I was on the program Project Postcode with Mark Strake and that lot. And now I'm working on I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You know what I mean? So to see wow. one of those children, what I call children, move on. And now she was working as a production assistant in LA. You know, it was like, yeah. She did That's it, amazing, Mark, that's amazing man. Yeah, so it's, it's something that Mark made dreams come true for people there. So Winston, I've got to ask you this, like, so look, you are like, you are like, um, you have the, the face, you have the body, you have the career, you have the career. <laughs> you know, you know where I'm getting with this, isn't it? You, you know, you know where I'm getting with this, isn't it? Because, yeah, yeah. Brother, like, listen, we've, we've, we've been away together. We've been clubbing together, we've hung out together, we've eaten together. We, we listen, listen. We are we are what you would call brothers, yeah. But I have to yeah. ask you, I know you got children, right? But brother, yeah. where's like, have you have you have you been married? Have you been married before? <laughs> Do you know what? I'm often asked that question. Do you know what I mean? No, I'm single and I've never been married. No. And the thing about it is, I think, I think what it is to be honest with you, I've been in relationships over the years. I've had some long-term relationships. But I think people buy into, they don't accept my honesty. And I think that's it. I think I'm, I'm, I'm big to blame on that as well. But I'm the kind of person I say, as I, I call it like I see it. Do you know what I mean? And I made a plan from a long time ago that this is what I want you to do. So if you're going to get on board with me, then we've got to work together as a team. And this is how it's going to be in a relationship. And if it can't be that way, I'm still going in that direction. You ain't going to convert me. This is what I want to do. And some yeah. people find, I think some women find that very difficult to put up with, with me. Because of the fact that, you know, my career, I love what I do. I'm passionate about what I do. And I, I don't believe in taking on other people's weaknesses. Because if, you know what I mean, some people, they just don't want to, they, they'll turn around and sort of want to hold you back and they want to turn around and put obstacles in your ways and whatever. That's not what I want to do. Like, yeah, for me personally, I've got one life to live. My mom always used to say to me, she always says to me, you know what, I didn't have twins. You were born alone. Do you know what I mean? You don't need no one. You don't need no one to turn around and do nothing like that. You know what I mean? So at the end of the day, you have a dream. You follow your dream. Follow your dream and go for it. And don't let anybody ever try and hold you back or stop you. And the longest relationship I've ever had was for 12 years. And I can honestly wow. say for the last three years of that relationship, there was no relationship. We were just two people that just sort of like ships that passed in the night. And, and the thing about it, the minute I got out of that relationship, it was like, <sighs> I could breathe. It was like fresh air. It was like, wow. And just things seemed so much clearer. And I didn't realize at the time how much I'd been carrying that person and building my life around what that person's needs were rather than what I need to be doing. Do you know what I mean? But let me ask you a question. But let me ask you a question. If I was to ask her that same question, right, <laughs> and say to her, <laughs> what would she say? Would she say... She says a selfish bastard. <laughs> she says a selfish. The thing is, right? I think, I think anybody who takes on this type of uh, career in this industry, you have to be selfish. There's no two ways about it. You have to be. You have to have an air of selfishness about you because it really is. As an actor, it really is all of you are your commodity. You are your your product, you know what I mean, that you're putting on sale all the time. And you have to put, you have to invest in that, whether it be in the gym, 
whether it be acting classes, whether it be travel, whether it be sort of like, you know, you have to commit to it. There's no point in turning around and dipping your toe in and then stepping out again. You, you either commit or you don't commit. And when you put that much mm. commitment into something like that, then you have to have a strong person beside you who understands that and they can turn around and work with that. And if there's any type of insecurity because of the fact that you might be doing a love scene or you're spending too much time with a certain woman or whatever, and they can't, you know what I mean? It's just going to go out the window. And I found that's how it's been. You, I feel that for me personally, the relationships that I've had over the years, I've tend to, I think maybe it's just down to the kind of women I've picked, have been, they've not been strong enough to turn around and accept what it is that I do on a reality. They sort of fall in love with the fantasy. And that's how it was for a long time. I'm now, after all these years, starting to reap the benefits of what I put in. Because another question I often get asked is that, do I get jealous of Idris? Because mm. of the fact that Idris came out of nowhere and now he's like, boom. He's like this big, big megastar. I'm like, no, everything happened that, everything in life happens for a reason. You know what I'm saying? And the thing about it is when I came mm. along, you couldn't get into the BBC as a black man. There's no way you could even consider getting into the BBC or any other kind of things like that as a leading actor in anything. It was just not, it wasn't heard of. You know, my, I built my career in Hong Kong. And then when I came back here to the UK, it was so hard trying to get in because people were like, yeah, we can't, we can't see you as a doctor. We can't see you as that. We can't see you as a professional. I can see you as a doorman. I can see you as a bodyguard. I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can see you as this. And it just wasn't, it wasn't happening. Do you know what I mean? But I think, for me, I never sold out. I chose to stick to it. Mm. I've done little bits and pieces over the years, built my career, but built it in the way in which the, I wanted the path to go. So that means that I was in control mm. of it. And I can look at myself in the mirror and say to myself, you know what? I, I'm happy. I'm proud of myself. I can look myself in the face and say, you know what? I never had to bend over, take one for anybody. I never had to turn around and sort of like let my morals go or my integrity go to have a part in a movie. I chose to do what I want to do. I chose my own path. And that's one of the things that makes me feel yeah, very proud of it. You know? Yeah, that's a beautiful thing, bro. I'm kind yeah. of the same, man. That's a beautiful, that's, that's it's that. beautiful when you can, when you're self-made. You know, you know when you, because yes. I've had a lot of people doubt, a lot of people have doubted me on my journey. Um, and I remember, I'm now six short films, three feature films down. And I remember when go. I first started and people were telling me that, you know what, Arfini, come on, man. You ain't going to yeah. be able to make a film. Come on, man. And I've done it all on my own. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, so I kind of, I know what you mean by when you say, like, we've had conversations, do you know what I mean? Yeah. About me, what I'm doing, where I'm going. Yeah. And I've had people try to doubt what I do and I'm still, I'm still on it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm still on yeah. it. Do you know what I'm saying? So I totally get it. You know, what I do want to ask you though, because obviously we see, well, I, I see, I see the Winston and I've seen both sides of Winston Ellis. I've yeah. seen the side that other people probably will never ever get to see. And that's because yeah, we're true. close. True. So I want to ask you a question. Um, what, what's been the lowest point in your life? Wow. I know the highs, I know some of the highs, but what's yeah. been, I've seen you at some of your lowest, but what would you say is your lowest point? Listen, I tell you something, right? I've been through some times in my life whereby I just could not see my hand in front of me. Do you know what I mean? I couldn't see my hand in front of me because I just couldn't see a future going on. I just like, you know, it was, and the thing is, the funny thing about it is that <clears throat> you, you've been around me and it's, it's strange, you know, sometimes somebody comes into your life for a reason. And I remember when Mark passed away and then it was like, you came into my life in such a strong, strong way. And at the time when you came into my life, 
I was going through a whole heap of turmoil. There was a lot of stuff going on in my personal life at that time as well. And I was at mm. rock bottom. There was no work coming in. I mean, I was like penny pinching. I was like, I've never been in that situation. My kids all grown up and moved on. And it was a struggle. And it was that, that manic depressive state that you put yourself in. And they say to you, say, people say, you know, men, men shouldn't turn around and be depressed and all this kind of stuff and whatever. Men should be strong. You know, we're built this way. Listen, let me tell you something, right? I, I've been at places whereby I felt to myself, this is it. I can't take anymore. Mm. You know what I mean? And it's people like yourself. And I, I say you, Freddie. I'm not even talking about it. I'm not even talking about my real blood brothers. You. You were there for me and you taught me out of some serious situations, mate. So, yeah, you've been around for some of that. One of the worst points, one of the lowest points in my life was about four or five years ago. And you'll know, you'll know, just after, yeah, just yeah. before we went off to uh, just at the AFM, you know what I mean? And um, yeah, I remember you were there all the way, mate. I'm telling you, all the way. And that's something I will never forget. I'll never, ever forget that, man. I tell you, because like those kind of things mean a lot to me because it's like <clears throat> it's people that I've known 30, 40 years and they weren't there. And then here's this guy mm. that I've known a couple of years and you were there, man. I remember shopping coming to my house and food and money. It's like, Brian, seriously? You know, that's something mm. that I love you for life for, brother. I don't care. Yeah. I, we can we not talk for two, three years. You call me. I don't care what part of the world I'm in. I'm coming. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's love. That's my love. That's my and love. That's how it goes. I know that if I don't hear from you, you're, you're busy. Do you know the ones there? Like, you know, some people, if you, don't, if you don't hear from them, they ain't doing shit. But I know that if I don't hear from you, it's because you're busy or your head's stuck in something. So, what are you working on yeah. right now? Or what have you been working on? Well, the thing about it is, um, I tell you something, all right, God's blessings come in so many different ways, man. I tell you, I decided, I got, got involved in a project. I set up my own company, Razor Edge Films, as you know. And me, you still got to do a production together, man. I'm looking forward no, to that. No, I'm, bro, I'm getting to that in a minute. I'm going to get that on film. I'm going get to that, get that on the podcast so you can't back out. Bro, you know when I say it, yeah? I'm going to get yeah. you to say it so the whole world hears it. So yeah. we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> I know you're already. I know you're already, man. Remember, we haven't we've been, we've been got the name of our production company. Remember that Silhouette Films? Remember it's still yeah, coming? Yeah, yeah. So. yeah, it's there. It's there. So, it's there. Yeah. It's there. so yeah, well... Basically, I'm working on a project right now called The Beast, when Eddie met Arnie. And what it is, it's um, Eddie Hall, the world's strongest man, the executive producer on it. And Eddie Hall, the world's strongest man, he is now transitioning from becoming um, an athlete into getting into the movie business. And he's following in the footsteps of his, of his mentor and idol, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And so we follow him on this journey of what, uh, what he's got to go through. And what we've been doing is we've actually been on, I've tell you, we've been, we've been filming in Ohio, we've been filming in um, uh, Austria, Stoke-on-Trent, Birmingham, London, and we're going to be finishing off now. And we're supposed to have finished in LA at Arnold's house, but because of all this lockdown business, we've had to postpone that now, but we actually got out there now at the end of September, we're flying out, and we've got um, some big celebrities, because like, but where's it was just going to be Arnold before, now we've got Stallone, we've got um, uh, Dwayne Johnson, and Dolph Lundgren. Wow. And these are all guys who have wow. sort of come from nowhere in this and become sporting personalities and become big in their own in their own right, then to turn around and sort of like have to transition to becoming an actor and becoming big as an actor as well. And the mental torture, the mental, the physical torture, the what they've had to go through. So you get these guys, these guys, what they've had to go through their journeys. 
and they're giving Eddie advice. And we've followed that whole thing. It's, you know what? It's been, it's been an eye-opening experience for me because Eddie's 32 years old now. And the guy's 31 stone. And you know, he lifted half a ton off the ground as a human being. No human, it's, it's ridiculous thing a human being can do that. But what I've seen him transition now to trying to become an actor over the last so 12 to 18 months that we've been following <clears throat> is amazing. You know, this guy's put so much work into becoming an actor. He's studying, he's getting acting classes, he's traveling across the world to meet different acting coaches, to do stunt training, to do fight training. He really saw himself right at this in a massive, massive way. You know what I'm going to say to you next? I'm hoping, if, yeah. you're, if you're thinking the way that I'm thinking, right, from a business point of view, I hope you've yeah. signed him up for his first movie. Listen, I hope you've man, signed him for his first movie. You know how things work, mate. You know how I operate. And I can't, I can't. <laughs> it's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. Let me say, all I can say to you, right, it's bigger than that. Because what we've done is, I've done a three-picture deal on this. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not just the one thing. I've done a three-picture okay. deal on this. So as, long, as, long as, part, as long as I've got a part in it, Listen, <laughs> we've got some... I'm working with some amazing people in Switzerland. Um, Gerardo University, they're one, of my, they're one of my investors and one of my business partners now in the production company. And we're planning to do a massive story, William Tell. William Tell story, but that's going to be something that's going to come out. And uh, we've got some major, major stars like, signing up for that. I don't care about those stars you, right you now. Haven't got, listen, you haven't got to listen. Now listen, you ain't got to do nothing. You haven't got to do nothing, Freddie, because the phone call is coming to you. You haven't got to do anything. The phone call is coming to you, brother. I'm telling you. <laughs> don't care. You might not hear from me for a period of time, but when that phone rings, just make sure you pick it up. We could talk forever. This is what, this is what we're going to do, right? We're going to end this conversation on a quick game. Okay. I'm going to start off with quick fire round, right? Tea or coffee? Okay. Coffee. Denzel Co Washington or Tom Cruise? Denzel, what's up with you, man? <laughs> well, I, I, some people say Tom Cruise, you know, I've got to ask. Um, tits or bum? Both, man, but tits. <laughs> tits. <laughs> See, typical, typical greed, you know. Man said both, you know. I'm asking <laughs> the question, one or the other, and he said both. <laughs> I, got, I, I love the both, you know. I mean, you have to enjoy the both, you know. But they're both sort of like, if I had to choose one over the other, I'd say, yeah, tits. All right, phone calls or text messages? Phone calls. Hot baths or hot showers? Hot showers. Okay, here's one for you now. Michael Jackson or Prince? Ouch. <laughs> you know, ah, uh, that's a good one, man. That's a very good one, you know, because the thing is, right, yeah. I know my bro, I know my man there had a lot of bad press, you know what I mean? He had a lot of bad press all the way to the end. And I still can't get over how nobody can figure out why, how... I must be the only person in this whole world that I mean, you've got three white children and then people don't see it. How's that possible? You know, nobody asks the question, how's that possible? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? How's that even possible? Because I've heard of people having this vital ego, I believe that. But I've never heard of it transform it through your children and then become completely white. You know what I mean? That didn't work for me. But the whole world believed that it was his kid. Yeah, it's all mad. It's all mad. But I think to me, as a talent, as an inspiration, as a man, it changed the industry changed the world and made, you know what I mean, and, and really brought, I'd say Michael Jackson, man. I'd say Prince was a massive star, don't get me mm. wrong, but I think Michael Jackson really did make a massive difference. Okay. Um, I, think I, know, I think I know the answer to the next one. Save money or spend money? <laughs> spend money. <laughs> spend money. <laughs> I got a weakness, man. I'll tell you something. My weakness is cars and watches, brother. Cars and watches. <laughs> okay. 
horror horror movies or comedies? Both. Uh, that's a good one because the thing is, right? You know what? Doing that Are We Dead Yet with you was the first time I'd ever done a horror comedy. Uh, and I okay. loved being on that. You know what? I don't think I've laughed as much on any film set that I've ever been on than that film set. You know, I know it's a small part. I know you got cut out of it now. It's been editing all changing well in all ways, but no, I always tell it, people. You know what? It comes out. It yeah. comes out October, you know? It's out in the... I'll talk to you about that later. It's yeah, yeah. out in the US and Canada, October the 6th this year, and it comes wow. to the UK, October the 26th. So I it's out, boy. It's, it's, it's officially out. Well, I can't wait to see it, man, because, like, I tell you something, right? I had so much fun. You pulled together a cast and crew on that project it was, like, from day one. It was, like, one big family, and everybody was, it was just jokes, and I loved every minute of it. But people got the job done, though, and I loved every minute of it. I've been on that film set. Yeah, it was fun. Even down to being caught up in a haunted hotel. You know what I mean? Even that <laughs> crap. <laughs> I was, that, that, that was all part of the, that was all part of the, um, the ambience, you know, to get you yeah, in the ambience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I thought, I started to believe to myself, every, everywhere we went in Stoke on Trent was haunted. The manor house haunted. The castle was haunted. The hotel we stayed in was haunted. haunted. And I was like, what's going on haunted. here, <laughs> Winston, it's been a it's been a pleasure to speak to you, man. Like, you know what, this Zoom thing is about to die. Well, you know what, I got I don't say it often, but I love you, brother. Like, I don't say it often. We don't speak often, and sometimes we might not we might not talk. And I, I guess sometimes we can get caught up in our emotions for whatever reason. Yeah. But if I ever don't, if you ever don't hear from me, it's never personal. It's just that we just get know, you know man. we get sidetracked doing what we're doing. But I, I know, got mad I love you, bro. Listen, man, that's a mutual feeling. I mean that sincerely. Anybody listening to this, I mean this sincerely from the bottom of my heart, man. I'm telling you, Freddie Nuwaka is more than a brother, man. And he's an inspiration to so many. The thing about it is I know that people turn and say, yeah, Freddie did this and Freddie said that and he's done that. And he's just rushing into it. i tell you something, right? You are an inspiration to so many people. You have been an inspiration to me. You turned and showed me. And I thought I, thought I was an old dog in the industry, man. I tell you. And you're my younger brother, man. You come along, you taught me so much. In a very short space of time, I listen. And that's the thing. I listen to people and listen and watch what their actions are. And you have always been a man of integrity and show me exactly what you're all about. And to me, that's something that I take with me forever. And I don't say that easily, even, man. I tell you, you're, 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 you're a special kind of human being, Freddie, and I'm always going to be there for you, brother. Thank you, brother, man. I appreciate that, man. So, guys, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Room 26. Please, please, please subscribe, rate, tell your friends, dogs, cats, budgies, share. I don't care. Just tell the whole wide world. And let's make Room 26 the most listened to UK podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Room 26 underscore podcast. That's at Room 26 underscore podcast. Thank you.